Hello everybody and welcome back to the Life, Love, and Existential Dread podcast. My name is Brian Arada. I'm a film composer in Los Angeles, California. And if you're watching this video, you may notice that is not our usual co-host. We have a guest host on today, my friend Curtis Bedford, who is also in Los Angeles. He is an actor, writer, director, producer. So glad to have you on. How you doing, Curtis? I'm good. I'm, as you can tell, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sitting in my closet. So uh, if you need me to try on any different uh, wardrobe while I'm sitting here, uh, just let me know. And, uh, and I can clearly, because uh, it's right here within reach. And so, no, I, I, do, I do some voiceover work, and, and your closet is actually your best place. So uh, this is my setup for doing, like, I think next week I'm actually uh, recording a Nickelodeon uh, cartoon in here. It, oh, like, excellent. You don't even go into the studio anymore. They set it all up and you record it all from home. And uh, and so so I'm doing that from from this little closet. So, uh, yeah, so that's where I am. I'm uh, I'm in. Uh, yes, I'm I'm in uh, uh, fabulous Simi Valley, California. So which is on the outskirts of L.A. And uh, I'm sitting in my closet for you, Brian. Thank you. So <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate it. So jealous of the setup there. You got the wall treatments. If we need a costume change, we can do it. It's, it's right all set here. up in there. Um, it's I, right there. I've got uh, I've got cowboy boots here I could put on. <laughs> um, let's see what I got. Uh I, I got a llama planter if you need it for any reason. Llama plant, man! I was know. just think, I was just thinking that today. Llama planter. <laughs> we don't have one. <laughs> we yes. need one. This could thank be God official, Curtis has one. <laughs> the official show llama planter. <laughs> so okay, so well, I'm just adjusting the microphone a little bit. Let, let me uh, let's let's talk about how you and I know each other. Yes, so, of course. So yeah. you you and I met in 2005, 2006, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yes, 06, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, and I was in an improv troupe called The Mutiny, and uh, we were, uh, so if you're, if, you're in, uh, if you're in an improv troupe and you don't have a home, if you're not like in a, in a theater like Groundlings or, 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 or IO or anything like that, you have to, and you, you perform at a bunch of different venues, you usually have to give up uh, somebody uh, to do your shows and you 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 do these these all these different theaters and stuff, and so we we didn't want to have to rely on someone for like sound cues and that kind of stuff. We had we had people in our our group that uh, you know like Wayne Brady did uh, singing. I don't do that, but uh, and we wanted someone to provide music, and so they uh, so we actually put an ad on Craigslist, if I believe. That's absolutely true. Yes. Yeah, and, I answered and, the Craigslist ad. And yeah. you answered the and so you you played with the Mutiny for a couple years and it was uh it was great. It was so much fun. Brian would come in, he would uh, tickle the uh, the ivories for pre-show and then he would provide all the improvised music that the singers needed and and uh really upped up our production value. I got to tell you it's some of the most fun I've ever had. Uh, performing live with music, doing a show, anything ever. You guys were so funny. Everyone was so good at the improv. The songs were good. I wish we had recordings of some of that stuff because it was so funny. I'm like, I'm like bent over laughing, my stomach hurting at the end of the night because I'm laughing so much. I could barely play sometimes. Well, I because I, I'm laughing that hard. I have know. to say, for those of you that do not know Brian, he's not hard to make laugh. 
<laughs> did it right there. See that? I just did right, it right there. there see? While you guys were watching, uh, he is one of the most giving of an audience members. So if you have anything to invite him to, invite him because he will enjoy it. But you know, so that may have been some of the most fun you've ever had. But now we're going to usurp this with this episode right now. Yes, it's above and beyond. I, I mean, every conversation we have, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> it's just, that's just what happens. You're a natural improviser, you're a natural funny guy, and I just, I can't stop. And another great memory of that whole thing with the mutiny, it was, I remember you, I remember you telling me, or you telling the whole group this one night, so all we do is rehearse and do the shows. So I want to have a more relaxed night and have everybody over for dinner at your house and we had a dinner at your house everybody brought something and uh, once again i just i just couldn't i couldn't stop laughing the whole night you guys are riffing off each other just 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 jokes and jokes and jokes it was so much fun just just non-stop with everybody you, you know the, the funny thing uh, is that xander I, ron I, ashley everybody you know i didn't even remember that until until you brought it up that we did that that was at my at my old house and if you're watching the video of this i'm not normally this pixelated so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're seeing that, what I'm seeing, but yeah. So I'm not normally this pixelated. It's a skin condition. I've got some salve that will make it go away pretty soon. By the end of the show, it shouldn't even be an issue. Uh, so, yeah. So you got some cortisone, co yeah, cortisone in the, it's a, it's the closet a, there? It's yeah. a digital cortisone. I keep it right here by the llama, you know, and you put it on and it, and it fixes it fixes everything that you see going on right here. Okay. All right. We got it taken care of. Yes. Yeah. So, Dermat so don't worry. Dermat dermatologist Bedford here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's digital dermatology. It's a whole new field. <laughs> yeah. It's uh. That's where those uh, those face filters came from. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. All, it's digital dermatology. So. Uh, yeah. And if you are if you're not watching this and you're listening to this, uh, and you, it, I I don't know what to say. Like it's. I look um, amazingly handsome. That's all I'm saying. It's 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 beyond handsome. It's video <laughs> video does not do you justice. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> I I definitely have a face for for podcasts. So yeah. So, uh, speaking of which, oh so, me too. Me so, too. So so yeah. you I you were a guest on my pod. You were a guest on my podcast, weren't you? If I if I were, I don't remember. But I watched your podcast. I listened to your podcast. It was so great. And then, unfortunately, right before podcast became like the huge hit, you guys you guys kind of gave up, you know. And I was like, "Where's more? I want more." Yeah, Curtis, so what what happens? I, Come on. I, so you know? I did a weekly podcast every Monday night for nine years. Nine years called Jeez. The, called yeah. the worst show on the web, and worst uh, show. Yes. And it was it was still a great title. Um, and I did it with uh, a bunch of different people over the years. Most recently, uh, with uh, showrunner Anthony Farrell, who was a writer on The Office, and another sort of in the trenches actor like myself, uh, uh, Wes Robertson. So we did it, and then it just came to an unceremonious end as uh, I was working on a film, Wes was working on a film, and Anthony had a show that he was uh, that he was showrunning in Ireland. And so we're like, okay, let's take the next two months off and then we'll come back and we'll really hit it big. And, and we just never started up again. So I completely quit doing podcasts just before podcasts became super popular. Well, you know, that's, 
you know, I, I, unfortunately, that's the way it happens. You know, sometimes you don't realize how what's going to happen in the future, and it just kind of ended the way it is. But I, I listened to every episode, almost every episode, and it was so funny. You guys, you guys were so good. I love listening to that. I, I wish it was kept going, but things end as as things do. Things so what are you gonna end. Do? You know, things end. No. So what? What, no. what are you gonna do? I don't know. Wait, you know, wait, wait for the next thing. Uh, look out for the next thing, and, and and jump on board when the next thing comes around. So that's 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 what happens. So so I uh, thank you for having me. By the way, this is I, I I love this medium. I've always loved doing it, and uh, I've certainly got enough invested in hardware that I don't use. Uh, so, but what do we what do we talk about? What do we what do we want to do? Yeah, I, Nathan is in Mexico visiting his wife again, so so I want to keep the podcast going. And I have a few questions for you. You're a professional actor. I am not a professional actor. However, however, I want to caveat this. When I was teaching, okay, and, and I, I think you know this, but I'm not sure if you know this. I played Professor Plum in Clue the Musical, all right? So I was playing piano in the pit orchestra for Clue the Musical, all right? And but also I'm Professor Plum. And so it's just like the board game. They're trying to figure out who did it, what room, what weapon, what have you. And there's there's songs and everything. It's a musical. But it turns out at the end that I'm Professor Plum and I'm the murderer and I have to confess at the end. So I had lines. So that was my one and only acting experience. But Wait, when was this? When was this? OK, OK. This is when I was a teacher, um, uh, a couple couple three years before i moved here so it's like oh three oh four in springfield missouri when i was teaching uh high school orchestra. oh my god I but pay, i also i would pay money to go back in time and watch that show it was it was it was a lot of fun it wasn't the music the music wasn't that great and me and the um the director nathan shelton who is the co-host of this thing we kind of worked on it and made improve made improvements on it and everything but it was a really fun show the kids did a great job they went to a state um festival and then got uh, uh the first award there and we went and up going to a national festival uh with this with the show so it was very successful the kids are very good and uh but i but again this is my acting debut um and so i want i want to get i want to get your perspective on this because i've been doing not acting things but other things with actors here in los angeles you know because we're all surrounded by actors um I've been going to these audience things uh, with game shows, and I've been noticing the same type of person at all these things. Okay, you go to these these audience um, audiences of game shows, but you see all these people that you know, young kids, young actors, trying to like stand out, I guess, or they think they're auditioning for now. Are major these role in the, in the at, audience with you, or are these in the games? That we're in the sh like, uh, for example, we're in Pressure Luck. I love that show. I love that show. They, the revival of it with Elizabeth Banks as a host. It's so much fun. It's a great show. But you got these act. I guess they're actors, and they're trying to like audition while they're in the audience. You know, during the game show, and I, I, I just, I don't understand this perspective. So, okay. So, okay. So first of all, it's Los Angeles. I need that. I need. Yes. I need your perspective on this. So no. for, first of all, it's Los Angeles. So you're gonna get yeah. actors everywhere. You can't throw a stone in this town without hitting six of them, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and three of them will thank you for the exposure. And so okay. so now the the thing that I want to say is I'm I'm a native Los Angelino. So uh, L.A. gets a bad rap for having a lot of assholes that live here. 
and we do. But here's what I want to say. Those are not Los Angelinos that are assholes. L.A. is an asshole magnet. So so, so L.A. actually siphons assholes from the rest of the world. And, And they all come here. And then they all expect everything to be given to them. And they, they come here with little to no training, having no idea what uh, what they're doing, but expecting the world. And then when they don't get it, they become bitter and angry. And uh, and then they go into casting. I didn't just say that. Wow, that was awkward. <laughs> and um, so, so you're welcome, rest of the world, because your life has a little bit fewer asshole in it. Because they're here, and I have to sit with them in traffic on the freeway every day. So you're welcome. Uh, so, so okay, first, that that explains it. Yes. Yeah. So now <laughs> there is this constant influx of people coming to LA every day from everywhere. That uh, you know their dream is to make it big, and I'm not besmirching these people. Uh, I happen to be from here, and even though I did leave and start acting somewhere else, and then came back. Uh, I never really felt like I was going to LA to uh, to be an you know to become an actor thing, um, but they come here and then you know maybe they're the biggest thing in their little town, or um, you know maybe they do have a modicum of talent. They come here to realize that it's not just you know a little fish big pond. It's just that you know they come in here with a with a, a resume full of school musicals, if that. Uh, the weird thing is, is now that people are coming in with no resumes, they they see people going from reality TV to 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 regular mainstream acting and they think, oh, that's what I want to do. I don't need to do any of that training. And so right. you get you get these people that come here. But let's say they 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 were the biggest thing in their town and uh, they come here and they're like, ah, L.A.'s going to love me. And then they realize that the guy that they're waiting tables with has had 37 guest star roles on primetime television and he's their competition and they've got none you know right. so so this was this was really sad i was uh my wife and i went to olive garden and this was if we had kids they were small so this was at least a decade ago uh i would say this was probably 13 14 years ago so we were at olive garden and and we're eating the fine uh, wonderful delicacies that olive garden has to offer and our waiter looked familiar and um uh super nice guy we chatted and uh you know we talked for a while and it turns out do you remember the original uh, matrix movie the first one Oh, of course. Of yes. Course. So you Love remember the, the, the yeah. two brothers that were that were born in Zion that didn't have the right. The, there was the little one, and then there was the big guy tank that uh, that yeah, ends up getting Dozier. killed. Or Dozer. That was it. Not tank. Dozer. Dozer. Dozer yeah. gets killed. Well, this was yes. Dozer. My waiter was Dozer. No kidding. And I was like, oh my god. I go, a that's fucking awesome, and b. How sad that you were dozer in the Matrix and you're still waiting tables at Olive Garden. Oh, that exactly. I couldn't agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, so that isn't that is him. not a criticism of him in any way. It, it's right. a, a criticism right. of the the system in which we live and work. That even with a major role like that, uh, you know, he's still not able to support himself acting full-time and right. I'm, I'm assuming I, I don't know I mean a lot of people just have the acting gigs as you know so they always have something 
But um, yeah, and so I really left there really sad, actually. Not for him. Oh. And once again, this is not, I'm not besmirching him at all. So, uh, so that being said, where I got off track there, you get these people that come to LA and they have, they don't have a whole lot to offer. And so okay. then, then they yeah. try to do anything they can to, yeah. to get in front of a camera, to get in front of anyone. And they think anybody can hire them. Right. Yeah. And because this, this is, this is the, I don't know, paradox might be the wrong word, but this is the conundrum I have. All I did was put one picture of me and I'm wearing, I'm wearing a hat. I don't have my glasses on. I put one picture of myself on casting networks, the website. And I said, I'm looking for extras work. Okay. Out of, out of curiosity, pure curiosity. And then I get uh, pressure luck. Um, as a, as an audience member, uh, uh, I, I did two days of that. Um, um, you bet your life, Jay Leno's show. He's the host of that with Kevin Eubanks. Um, Unicorn Hunters, which is Prime Video's version. Yeah, I, I didn't know what it was either. It's Prime Video's version of Shark Tank. Apparently, I was I didn't get into the audience because they always overbook, so I was in the overflow outside, so I didn't actually see it. But and I had this idea. For, but based on that one experience, Unicorn Hunters, I was also on Hot Bench, which is like a courtroom show. It's Judge Judy's, uh, sh- uh, another show that she is executive producer of, but exactly like that. It's three judges that are doing uh, that court That one cases. I think I've seen. Okay. Yeah, and I was in the audience for that. You don't have to, you don't have to applaud or anything. All you do is just sit there, but you are on camera, so you gotta, you got um, you know, you got to at least look good. I uh, did the best I could, you know. Um, and, um, but at, at unicorn hunters, I realized this, I kept seeing the same type of person over and over. It was this guy or this girl jumping out, trying to get noticed, trying to be this actor and audition at everything. I was like, man, there's gotta be like a story here. There's gotta be like a short film here or something. And so I sent you these, I don't know. I sent you the characters, like I sent you the characters and you go, Okay, that might be something, but there's no story. So yeah, I gotta I, figure out a story. You, you sent me and, characters, and, and I said I'm, that that's great. Uh, where's the story? <laughs> where's the story? There is no story there. All you got is characters. I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, I wasn't thinking it through, but I, I thought, man, there's something there because I kept seeing the same person over and over again at these audition, at these uh, audience things for these game shows. So I, I just, I, it just perplexed me. It's a conundrum, and and I wanted to talk to a professional actor about it's, these things. It's so cliche that these these type of of people in LA exist. So I did this commercial. Uh, this would have been two thousand five or six. I did a commercial. I know for... what this. I know this story. Keep oh, going. Oh, I know this story. Oh, I think it, I remember. It, it might it might be a different one, but okay, I think so, I remember so I did. This no, story. I I used to be a commercial guy. I used to do tons of commercials. Um, and I don't do as many as I used to, but, uh, yeah. So I did this commercial for Sony PSP and it was the John Madden edition. And, uh, so there was a whole bunch of, uh, sports fans in a line to get the new, uh, John Madden edition that was released that day. And so the joke of the spot was that the fans were, the the Uber sports fans were all sitting next to, or standing next to the fans of their rival teams. And so, uh, yeah, so like I was a Kansas City uh, fan in the commercial and uh, behind me are a bunch of Raiders fans who I'm guessing I'm not a sports guy, but I'm guessing those are the rivals. And so there was so we're all in line 
you know, so the camera, if you're, if you're the camera, we're all in line. And then uh, this guy that had done a bunch of commercials where he always didn't get his PSP uh, comes out and he's like, I got one. Woohoo. And then a guy comes out and changes the sign to sold out. So he got the last one. And so we're all standing there. He finally gets one and we see that they're sold out. So one of the guys goes, uh, goes, get him. And we all in. So, so he, if you're the camera, he's here and then he runs out this way and we're all supposed to run straight to the camera and then follow him out. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. So, so there's this extra that is at the end of the line. So after all the principles and there's maybe eight of us, then there's maybe 25 extras and there's this guy who's an extra who's standing at the end. Now, one of the things you should know about, about uh, commercial work, unlike TV or movies, when, when you think extras, you think, oh, they don't get paid very well. Brian, what you should do is get commercial extra work because you make like 300 bucks a day. Man, yeah. yeah. The, the audience work, all you get is like maybe $100 a day for yeah. like eight hours. You get 300 bucks yeah. a day, 327 or something like that. And um, so this guy... As soon as they would say, we we you know, the guy would go get him, and we'd all run forward. He was at the very end of the line, and he would sprint because he was trying to get on camera. In a commercial, if you're recognizable, even if you don't have any lines, you're not considered an extra. You're considered a principal, and so your pay goes from like three hundred bucks a day to seven something a day. Plus, you get residuals. And so this guy was trying to force an upgrade. And so before I could take three steps this way, he this dude would run 30 feet just trying to force an upgrade. And at first, I'm like, dude, that's not cool, you know? And he's like, what, what? And so I went to one of the production people and I said, hey, just watch this dude. He's trying to force an upgrade. I'm just letting you guys know. Because it, ultimately, it's money that comes out of their pocket, you know? And um, so I'm just, just letting you know. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll watch it. And so the very next take... He did it again. And it's like, before I could get four steps in, this dude is sprinted. So the following take. So now the other principals are noticing this guy. And now, uh, so we're talking about it. And so the very next take, uh, he's like, get him. And we all run out. And I just go, boom. And I outweighed this guy by about 75 pounds. And he comes into frame briefly and then flies out of frame. And right. uh, and that was the yeah. last time he tried it. But that was exactly yeah. what you were talking about. This guy is he's trying to do anything he can to get on camera. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a cliche. It's a cliche. OK, well, I, I had that same experience on these game shows. I'm like, it's it's not even we're in the audience. We're in the audience for pressure luck. No whammies. I love that show. And but the guy who is like. I don't know. He's the audience coordinator. He's like getting everybody. It's like, okay, you got to clap at this time. Elizabeth Banks comes out. You got to cheer when she comes in. You got to do this when this happens in the course of the game show. But he's also encouraging the audience to speak out. Like say, okay, uh, you know, go for it. No whammies, you know, all that stuff. You know, the whole thing in the scene. So people are shouting, shouting, not, not just talking. People are shouting in the midst of this game show, in the midst of it, because the guy's telling the guy is telling them to do that. 
And, but these people are jumping up in the air and doing crazy stuff just to get noticed exactly what you're saying, to get on camera. And then there is a cameraman who has one on her shoulder and he's kind of walking around and, and I don't know, trying to get audience members reactions on some stuff. So you see people really reacting to that. Oh, the camera's on me. They jump up and they do something because they know the camera's on them. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get in the show. It's and, just and, like, and oh, even if it does, so what? I mean, it's something yeah. It's something to tell your mom back home, but you don't put it on a resume. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. so, so speaking of game shows, though, I, yesterday... Uh, not from my closet, but from downstairs. I auditioned for a game show from home. Uh oh, what do we got? Uh oh, what do you? What do you? What? What game show? What? The Price Is Right. Oh. What? Oh man, really? You're yeah, gonna be on so, Price Is Right? No, I don't know if I'm gonna be on it, but I auditioned for it. So, so I okay. always assume. Now, I've have you ever been to a taping of The Price Is Right? Never. So prices. Yeah. Press your luck, uh, you bet your life, and unicorn hunters, but that's so, it. So I've been to a taping of The Price is Right. I went in 2005 with my parents and my sisters, and uh, uh, we went to a taping. None of us got picked. But I always assumed that everybody in the audience has an equal shot of getting picked. And what I've what I've learned is, first of all, when you go there, they don't just call you randomly. It's not like they put all the names of the people in a hat. And then they just pick people to be on the show. You actually go through a little interview when you're in line for that show. And, and there's a little panel of people that, uh, that interview you. And th they, um, uh, and they, they, they pick the people that they want. Well, now apparently, and I don't know if this is just a COVID thing, they actually pre-pick people to even go and be in the audience. So... If I did well yesterday, then they'll tell me and I will go with five of my friends and I'll have a better shot at being on the show. Yeah, because you all like wore the same shirt, T-shirt or something. Uh, like well, that. I if, if that. I go, like, if I gotta... go. So I'm a I'm a scouter. I'm a, a scout leader. Uh, I've been a cub yes. master of a Cub Scout pack for like seven years oh. and yeah. which of which uh, a position of which I just stepped down. So I'm, I'm moving on. And it's so uh, awesome you did that. Yeah. So uh so I'm gonna go with a bunch of scout leaders. You know. Yeah. So I'm gonna see if a bunch of them can get auditions as well. Just so you know, we can all go and see if one of us gets on the show. I think that'd be pretty badass. So And another and another thing to go along with that, I overheard a producer talking on um uh You Bet Your Life. This is the Jay Leno show. And I in on a break I heard them saying that they look for certain personalities to be on the show, to be contestants, because they want weird, unusual, funny people on the show because it makes for good television. Absolutely. And I think and I think that's what's happening when they're choosing people for prices right as well. They want weird, unusual but they don't want people that are boring. They don't want people that are just gonna yeah. stand there and, and just be you know, not make for good television. And so I, I kinda I got a feeling that's what's going on there with, with prices right as well. well they want I, I think that the exciting, audience exciting, energetic, yeah. weird people to make for good television. I think the audiences are getting smaller and so they're just they're realizing that they're not getting the people that they need, the the number of people that they need, so they're pre screening them. Yeah. Well, and you bet your life, there's only twenty people. There's what? only twenty people. There's in the only audience? 20 people in the audience. There's only 20 of us. And what they do uh, beforehand, they have us cheer 
and clap and woohoo and do all that kind of noises and stuff. They record us doing that before the show even starts. And I have a feeling, you know, I'm just guessing this. I have no idea. But they use those little audio oh, clips sure. to kind of pan around and make it sound like it's 100, 150 people, 200 people when it's only really 20. So I, I don't know that for sure, but I kind of have a feeling that that's what happens. But press your luck, you know, there's 200 people there. And yeah. it's real reaction and doing things. But then this other one, uh, Unicorn Hunters, I think maybe it was 100 people. And then I did this other game show, which I signed an NDA, a very extensive NDA. They asked for, they even asked for your social handles to check you're not posting about it or whatever. Okay. So, so you're I, not going to talk about that one. I shouldn't mention it, but it was the same situation. There was only yeah. 20 of us, and they had us record a whole yeah. bunch of stuff beforehand. That's so I was crazy. like, okay, that's the way they save money. You're not not having to pay 200 people like Fresh Your Luck uh, to get the audience reaction that they need. Uh, but it still sounds like a big, big crowd uh, the, the way that they do it, I imagine. So, so. When, when I – so here's my, pre, my Press Your Luck story. When I was yeah. in the seventh grade – seventh grade. Yes. So I had Miss Herring as my teacher. And Ms. Herring? Okay. Miss Herring. And her sister was on Press Your Luck. And so the day that it aired, it, it aired during the day. Of course, we were all in school. So the teacher brought in a TV, and we watched Press Your Luck as a class uh, project. Oh, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I still oh. remember. So her her sister was on was on TV, and I got to I got to watch it with her class with with uh, uh, with the whole class. Oh man. <laughs> Quality education. <laughs> it was absolutely quality education. Now, uh, so I just have to. Was I covert enough that you didn't see me uh, pouring a beverage? I saw you drinking it. Um, I see that, the beverage. That I was don't water know, I don't before. Know what, so it was what? It, it water into wine. I have no idea. No idea what's in there. But um, oh, not, oh, oh, oh. Not that they're a, not that they're a sponsor. Uh, maybe they are. I don't know. But I just tried the Angry Orchard Peach Mango. It is okay. quite delicious, if I say so All myself. Right. Well, and 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 speaking of beverages, I was partaking in the in the Voodoo Voodoo Ranger. Same mm. issue. I don't I don't, I don't think they're a sponsor, but I love this I love this brew. Well, wouldn't you IPA. know if they were a sponsor? That's true. I mean, of <laughs> the two of us, I mean, it's it's conceivable that I wouldn't know who the show sponsors were. I would assume you would. <laughs> Hopefully I would. Being the host and the producer of, the, of all this, hopefully I would. Um, I'm just giving... <laughs> Maybe they're giving me money. Maybe they're not. I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know. I'm just enjoying their product. That's all I'm saying. Nope. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, so uh, switch topics a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, my, my boys... I just got back into town. My wife and I had a, had a week away because my boys were away at camp. Now I have two boys, uh, fourteen and eleven, and they were they're both in in scouts, and so they went to scout camp. And um, so so excuse me, they got back yesterday at two o'clock, and uh, they've been gone for a week. They hadn't changed their clothes. They were incredibly filthy. They smelled, you know, the normal. And so last night at about six o'clock. We get a text from the scoutmaster that uh, now, first of all, I have to say they were at a, a camp Chawanaki. Um, maybe I'm sharing too much, but uh, they were at a camp uh, up in Central Valley. Uh, there were 500 campers, 500 scouts at this camp. So it was a big, big camp. And uh, they get a 
so we got a text last night at six o'clock uh, from the Scoutmaster. His son just tested positive. And uh, since then, I guess more kids have tested positive. So that uh, so we are OK. Uh, my entire family had covid uh, about a month ago. So there was no chance the boy. Well, I mean, if it was a variant, but the, the we've tested the boys. They're negative. Um, have you have you had it? Did you have it at all? Haven't haven't had it. Just had a test um, Saturday. I've tested negative, so I, I haven't had a two bo- two vaccines and a booster, but never yeah. had it. So um, it's in- and the it- only sim- the only symptoms I had was when after I got the shot, and I was just like a little not a tiny bit nauseous and a tiny bit feverish, like tiny bit of a temperature. But it didn't last that long. It was like maybe three or four hours. Oh, and Ma- that was Ma- it. Moderna kicked my ass for a day oh. when I had oh, the second yeah. shot. First okay. shot was fine. Second yeah. shot kicked my ass. But, uh, you know, but the the flip side was COVID was sort of like the flu because I'd had I'd had the vaccine. So it wasn't it wasn't bad. COVID was a, a day and a half of feeling sick and then a week of just being tired. So but it's really interesting. So now the scout troop is uh all activities are on hold until we figure out what the fallout is of course yeah yeah what and did you lose your sense of smell or i anything? didn't my my wife did for a day her sense of of taste and smell came and went so okay because that happened to my sister she lost her sense of smell and it came slow it slowly came back over several 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 weeks so i read this uh i think it was on on reddit this guy got COVID and he lost his sense of taste. And he said that, you know what? I, I had told myself if this happened, I was going to take the opportunity and I was going to eat every hot thing that I could find. And so he ate like he ate, he said he, he had a California, a Carolina Reaper. Right. And, the hottest, one of the hottest peppers in yes. the world. Yeah. And uh, he said he ate it, didn't taste anything. And about a half an hour later, his stomach went, Hmm. And nope. he said that was the start of four days of agony, right? Because he didn't yeah. take into consideration what goes in must come out, and yep. you're not you're not numb on the other side. And the and the dude who runs that Hot Wings uh, YouTube show, uh huh, or the hot hot sauce. I don't know. It's a hot sauce thing. He ate a Carolina Reaper, and he said he and he eats hot sauce and hot peppers all the time and so he's got like this tolerance or yeah. he, he knows he knows how hot it's going to be and he said the same thing this dude who does all this stuff all the time for a living and makes a tv show out of it or, or a youtube channel whatever it is he was in bed for like three days after eating one of those peppers and just sick and just couldn't couldn't function because those things are so damn hot you know i know he ate one he ate yeah. one carolina one carolina reaper knocked out and the dude is like a professional hot sauce <laughs> I, hot I, sauce guy you know? i saw this whole little documentary on the guy that invented the carolina reaper and he has a pepper that's hotter now it just isn't ready to come to market um okay but he put together a a pepper eating contest and you see these people when they got to the carolina reaper these people are sitting there and like every bodily fluid is just falling out of their face and they are in complete agony before they and and this contest was basically you just go until everyone taps out except for the last person and the guy right. that won he was just 
Yeah, I think like, I saw not, the like same nothing. thing. Like, like they, yeah. they didn't do anything to him. And he's like, yeah, I don't have a problem with peppers. Yeah, I think I saw that same thing. He's got some kind of, I don't know, disorder is the wrong word, but the, the hotness, the, yeah. the all that stuff does not affect him. Like the pain of it or whatever does not bother him. On, and he's, yeah, just it's like he's eating grapes, you know? Yeah. He's, just pop, yeah. he's just popping these hot peppers in his mouth one after another, no problem whatsoever. Because I saw one of the hot, or these, the hot sauce challenge, whatever, and Gordon Ramsay, was on it, you know, professional chef, and he is dying. You can tell it's really bothering him a lot. And he's like eating donuts. He's eating, um, drinking milk. He's drinking water. He's got like lime juice. He's got all this stuff to try to put out the fire, but it's really bothering him a lot. Like even not even the hottest one. I was like, so like, it's, it's unbelievably, I, I can't do that stuff. I don't know why you'd want to do that stuff. Um, I don't know. Yeah, years ago, <laughs> I was in Austin for South by Southwest and yeah. I, uh, I was covering it for my podcast and, uh, they had a, I, I walked into this tent where they were doing a, a chili eating contest and they, they got to the, the five alarm chili before everyone, but one person tapped out. And so I said, Hey, can I just even like taste just a toothpick, you know? And the guy goes, well, we don't have any of that, but we have some of the three alarm. And I'm like, okay. So I literally, he, he gave me a spoon. I just dipped the spoon in it and then touched my tongue to the spoon. I like didn't even put the spoon in my mouth. I just touched my tongue to it. It was so hot uh, that I could see into the future. <laughs> and in the future, my mouth was still on fire. <laughs> Flames. <laughs> it, it was, and I'm like, how do you differentiate between this and the five alarm? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. What is the difference? Yeah. Oh, that that stuff. I don't know why those people do that. Put yourself nope. through that. That's unbelievable. I cannot. I do like some spicy stuff, but doing that extreme levels that's, no. that's not for me. Oh. And no once again, you. it's got to come out. And and that. Yes. How do you protect that other end? So there's there's something that I wanted to come on your show and t and talk about. Oh and, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. I know uh, that. So so there, I, I'm I'm doing a little campaign right now. That uh, so my my very first film role. Uh, when I was 23 years old, I had I had left L.A. I had moved to the Bay Area to go back to college. And I had submitted to a bunch of uh, casting directors or, or sorry, agents. I, um, I had sent my headshot to a bunch of agents. I went to school in the Bay Area. So I sent them out to everyone in the Bay Area and uh, I didn't hear anything. And so I thought, well, it's just not my time. And then the six months later, this agent that I had sent it out to called me up and said that I have an audition for you, which basically meant that she took the one headshot that I had sent her and she had sent it out as if I was a client of hers, which I wasn't. And so I, uh, I went and then I got a call back and then I booked it. And the, the, the project that I booked was called scary movie. Uh, that was the working title that was eventually changed to scream. So uh, I I was in yes. the, the very first Scream movie uh, yes. as as the board teen. Board so, teen, man. Yeah. I so, love this movie. I love this part. Keep yes. No, so sorry, I don't know going. if uh, you're the type of fancy podcast that can like throw pictures up, but if you could, this would be the perfect time to do a little screenshot of me in the movie right now. See, that's me right there. Okay. 
So we'll definitely do that. I will definitely do that. And it's not just a screen. It's not just you on camera. You got a line. In oh yeah, the movie, no, don't I'm in. You? I'm yeah. in the movie. I'm all uh, in the party scene. If you're familiar with the movie, I'm all over it. And uh, what was really cool for me is I, I had booked that film out of San Francisco, but I lived up in Sonoma County at the time. And that's where the film was shooting. And when I mentioned that, they said, oh, if you have anybody that wants to be an extra, let me know. And so I got all my college friends extra parts in that movie. And I would totally forgotten about it until uh, the 20th anniversary I went to a screening. And I see all my college friends walking by at different times. And it, I it, it, it blew me away how much of a little college time time capsule this is for me. But the cool yeah. thing is that my wife is also an extra in it. If you know where to look, she's out of focus. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you ever knew that. So I yeah. never knew that. Not just now, but now I, I got to really watch it and look for it. Yeah. We had been dating for a month uh, when I shot that movie. So yeah. uh, a month and a half or so ago, as a joke, I tweeted out, that I was in the first Scream movie and it meant a lot to me because it really did start my acting career. If it had not been for that movie, um, I, I wouldn't still be acting. I uh, So when that movie came out, I resent all my headshot to agents in San Francisco. And then I got a bunch of interest and uh, signed with a great agency. And, we, uh, and then I just started working. And it, it was great, you know, so... Uh, so I, I tweeted out sort of as a joke. I didn't really expect it to go anywhere. I don't have that many followers because I don't I've never really put too much in social media. Um, but uh, I tweeted out that I really love the movie. It meant a lot for, to me. Uh, I was in the original as the board teen and I want to be in the new Scream movie as the board adult. Come on. Yes. Come on. So, Let's do it. So yeah, yeah. I want to be in the Scream movie as the board adult. And uh, so then I. I, I didn't even know when the movie was being, if if it was in production or when it was going to be in production. Well, it turns out it it, it started production a week and a half ago. Um, okay. It, it's currently shooting in Montreal. And a friend of mine, she said, you know, you should put that on a Scream Facebook page. And I had no idea sort of the rabid fan base of, of these movies and, and how loyal they were. So I went on uh, this group. And uh, I posted it, and and people were were coming unglued, the fact that I was there, and so 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 far, I you know it's nothing I would consider viral, but the tweet has had a hundred and I think just below two hundred uh, likes. It's had just below a hundred retweets. People are retweeting the current filmmakers. the The movie that's being shot right now in Montreal shoots until mid August, from what I understand. And so I really have, you know, the month of July if this is going to happen. So if you're listening to this and it's before July, if you go onto my Twitter, uh, I'm going to pin it to the top of my Twitter feed. So my Twitter is at Curtis Bedford, K-U-R-T-I-S-B-E-D-F-O-R-D. If you're watching the video, it might appear right here, but I, I don't we'll know. It, I'll put it. I'll yeah. put it in a link in the podcast and in the YouTube channel. We'll have a link to that, to your Twitter feed right there. So in, if you, in, if you could, thank you. And if you could go and like and retweet that tweet, I, I so want to make this happen. I want this to be my little joke to the world. If you've seen the movie and if you're a fan of, of the movie, the my line uh, from the, the original 1996 movie is how can you watch this shit over and over again? And, uh, 
I could say the same freaking line. You know, how can you still watch this shit over and over again? Over and over again. And that would be, man, that'd be so... I think to the such people... A full, such a full circle thing yeah, from the first movie to this remake. Come on. I it's think gotta, to the people that get it, it will be flipping hilarious. Yeah. And and uh, yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Everybody who listens to this thing, we got some followers, we got some listeners. Everybody retweet, follow this thing, po- post it out there, redo it. We got to help Curtis get back on the movie. And, and I... I it's got to happen. I, I I want it to happen. I'm going to try and do everything I can to make it happen. <laughs> thank what, you. What I can from this podcast, it's 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 what I can do. Yes. Well, thank you. So I just wanted to put that out there. If you guys could help, that would be amazeballs. Oh man, we got some listeners. I I I I know almost all of them. Okay, all of them. You everybody has to help. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise cancel the subscription to the podcast. We don't want you anymore. No, how kidding. how fun would that be? Yeah. You know, man, if we could do it from this, yeah, from this podcast to the Twitter feed and, you know, and get it and get it and get you on the movie, that would be the best thing ever. I, I would I would feel I would feel successful as a podcaster if we got you on the movie based on what we're doing right now on this episode. I, I as would I more than the worst show on the on the world, worst show on the web worst ever did for world, me. Yeah. The, one, the, the first thing I did when I moved here was go and see the Pacific Ocean. I, I, I hate swimming. I, I burst into flames because my skin is, is, is so light and it's like alabaster. Um, so I don't like being outside in the sun. I guess I use sunscreen, but I, I was like, I, I don't like going outside because I always get sunburned. But the first, that's the first thing I did was drive up the PCH and drive back and forth and just to see the ocean on one side and see the gorgeous, you know, uh, beaches and everything on the other side. That was, that was the first thing I did. But outside of that, I don't do touristy stuff either. You know, I've been here 16 years. You know, and that's something I really take for granted is that, you know, my wife and I were in Costa Rica for our honeymoon and I met this guy and he said, my lifelong dream is to see snow. Snow, yeah. Yeah. You know, never seen, but, yeah, never but, seen you know, you yeah. forget how many people are landlocked and live in states with no, you know, large bodies of water and, uh, uh, you know, and they've never seen the ocean and, and here you take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm from St. Louis. Yes. I've been to my, I have relatives that live on the East coast. So I've seen, you know, swam in the Atlantic ocean and visited Disney world and seen the Pacific ocean when I was a kid, but moving here as an adult, it was a, quite a different experience. You know, you're so much older and just, just to see it, you know, that, that was one thing. Um, but then after a while, you know, I was like, I did it a couple more times, just driving up there. I was like, eh, all right, been there, done that. That's enough. Okay, so but what? still, it's quite magnificent. Okay, so, uh, so here's a question, because I grew up here. When you came to L.A., what were sort of the biggest surprises compared, biggest... To, compared to, like, what you expected? Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll start there. One of the one of the biggest surprises, and this sounds boring, but was the traffic. All right, I'm from. <laughs> I, I lived in St. Louis. I grew up in St. Louis. And you went there through high school, and then I lived in. Then I went to college in Springfield, Missouri, and then I taught middle school and high school orchestra for eight eight years after that. So I was in Springfield, Missouri, for a long time. And it's not a very big town, but when I moved to Los Angeles, the amount of traffic driving the 405, which is a major highway in Los Angeles for the first time 
was quite an experience. Seeing 12 lanes of traffic and all these cars over the I couldn't believe it. The spectrum of seeing all, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cars and just stopping on a major highway that says, you know, 55, 65 miles an hour, whatever. And you're stopped. You don't move. You don't move. I was, I was stunned by the level of traffic. So, so let, me, other- let me, let me, let expo- me, well, hold on. Let me, let me cut in right there. Uh, the day I got my driver's permit, I went down to the DMV with my father. My father drove a 1975 Chevy Van 20. So it was just a van with no windows on the sides. It was just a giant yeah. blind spot. I took the test. Uh, I got my permit. So he goes, great. I drive home. I back into the driveway. He hooks a boat up to the the van, gives me directions to get to Big Bear, and then goes to sleep. <laughs> so my very first day driving, I'm driving on the freeways in Los Angeles in a van towing a boat. <laughs> After that, I could drive anything, anywhere. You do, yeah, you got you got the training right there, man. Uh, yeah, a perfect training. Oh. And that was another level to it, the the aggressiveness of the traffic. Like, you really have to hold your own out here rather than Missouri, where people are very nice and courteous and driving. <laughs> oh, everything. no. Los, An- Los Angeles, Los Angeles, not so much. You really got to be aggressive and get, get to where you're going and cut in front of people to get your exit, whatever it may be. And another caveat to that, which I still to this day, well, it's not, it's not that big a deal, but it was a... It wasn't really a revelation, but people describe driving in traffic in terms of time rather than in terms of miles. They're saying, oh, it'll take you an hour and a half to get there. It'll take you two hours to get there, whether it be five miles, 10 miles, whatever. And that was another revelation. I was like, what are you talking about? How far is it? Like, no, 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 no. It doesn't it's matter. It's not far. It's like, it's not far, but <laughs> it will take you two hours to drive 15 miles. I, I've and always- that's, that's like, whoa. I've always said that everything's 20 minutes away. It just takes you an hour and a half to get there. It just takes you an hour and a half to get there. <laughs> you know, it, everything yeah, is just, yeah. it's just 20 minutes away. It just takes yeah. you an hour and a half to get there. Yeah, yeah. And th- so that that was one of the biggest, I don't know, I, I keep saying revelations, but it, it, that was one of the biggest surprises when I moved here was that. The level of traffic and, and how 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 much there was seeing so many cars on the road that I was on. And again, being stopped on a highway. You're stopped. You can't. You, you don't move. How is this possible? Well, of course it is because there's hundreds of cars in front of you. So. And, and so who was the first famous person you saw? Uh, oh, boy. He was a guy on ER, and I can't remember his Noah name. Noah Wiley? It wasn't Noah Wiley. It was, a, it was not as big a star. But I remember seeing him. I was I, uh, When I first moved here, I was on Family Guy as an orchestrator. So I was on the Fox lot a lot. <laughs> Fox lot a lot, um, and um, and I was wondering. I remember just walking around, just kind of exploring, whatever. You know, you got you got this uh, pass, so you can go wherever you want. But I was just walking around, and I was like, oh, I remember that guy. He was on ER, and I was the first kind of guy I ever saw. And it was the same type of thing. You see, oh my god, I can't believe how small and skinny he is. He looks so much bigger and taller on TV. It's the same crap you see. Everybody says, I can't believe how short they are. Uh, but it was the same type of thing. But I was like, oh, I recognize that guy. But again, I can't remember his name. Some 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 guy who had a recurring role on ER. That was the first guy I saw. Uh, but you know, seeing a whole bunch of stars there, and I remember walking in Santa Monica, and I saw Michael Chiklis walking into a Starbucks. Yeah. So I was dating this girl. 
Uh, this is before I got married because my wife doesn't let me date. And um, uh, so I was dating this girl and she wasn't from L.A. And, and I, I lived up in the Bay Area and we came down to visit. And she says, I've never seen a famous person before. I just want to uh, I just want to see one. And I'm like, oh, it'll happen, you know. And so then we went to lunch at this restaurant that I don't know if it was still around when you came. It's called Ed DeBevix. I don't know if you ever had a chance to go there. I know I know Ed DeBevix from Chicago, but I oh. don't know it from L.A. It was well, a, it was a restaurant in Chicago that I went to. Was it like a '50s themed diner with? Uh... Yes. Okay, I didn't realize it was part of a chain. Yeah. There used to be yeah. one here. Okay. You know, and it was great. And so we went to Ed DeBevix. And Jamie Gertz was at the next table with her family. And this was like before Twister. So she hadn't done anything in a while. And so my my girlfriend was like, oh, Jamie Gertz. Okay. And then um, we were walking down Santa Monica or Melrose or one of those streets. And uh, and we pass Zelda Rubinstein. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, do you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Zelda, for those of you who don't, is the the little uh, short psychic woman from Poltergeist. You know, go towards the light, Carol Ann. Like that. This house is clean. This house is clean. Yeah. Clean. Clean. I'm sorry. That's so, right. Clean. Yeah. So uh, so we, we see Zelda Rubenstein walk in the other direction. And then that night, we went to a birthday party at our friend's house. And it was packed. This little teeny uh, apartment in Hollywood. And as we're passing, we're like, we're, we're shuffling down the hallway. I look into the kitchen and propped up in the corner of the kitchen is a completely shit-faced Weird Al Yankovic. You know, he's just like, and I'm like, hey, I go, Robert, what's Weird Al doing here? He's like, I don't know. He just showed up. He's like, I don't know him. And uh, so, so later... The next day, I'm like, well, you saw your famous people. And she's like, yeah, I should have been more specific. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let's control the famous people yeah. we see and everything. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Just maybe some C list celebrities. Yeah. You know, yeah. Weird, Weird Al and Zelda. That's, that's, man, that's great right there. What are you talking about? I know. Yeah. I thought for one day that was a pretty decent haul. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and another thing I'll tell you about living in LA. When I first moved here, I had a whole bunch of people, uh, you know, other teachers and friends that I, you know, uh, ma- maintained friends with when I was, when I was still in Missouri. And they're constantly asking me, who did you see? What movie stars did you see? They act like there's like a red carpet Oscars event happening on every street corner in Los Angeles. I was like, it's, it's not like that at all. It's like that only happens on the Oscars. It's like, what are you talking about? You don't see movie stars just walking up and down the street every single day. I was like, yes, you do. It's just what you're saying. You do see them here and there, but it's not like you go on yeah. Hollywood and Vine and you know Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are just standing there signing autographs. That's what that's what a lot of people in Missouri think. So I had to explain that to them. I was like, it's not like that at all. Uh, so. Uh, that was that was another explanation I had to give to people that still live in Missouri because they just don't understand. And so, so now that you've been here for uh, well, going on two almost decades, seven, yeah, going almost on 17. two decades. Yeah. Uh, who is would you say is the most famous person you've met um, or or seen? Um, this is more personal than anything, and a reason I got into music, but it was John Williams. And I met him. Um, I scored. Well, this this is you. This goes back to you. I scored the the short movie Glow 
with you, which you wrote and starred in and directed. No, no, uh, right? uh, James Spencer directed that. James Spen- Okay, James Spencer directed it, but you wrote it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you wrote it, and you were the you were the major, major actor in it. Okay, so it's James Spencer and Matthew Ladensack was a producer on that, and James Spencer's daughter used to date John Williams's, or James Spencer used to date John Williams' daughter. Mm, no, because I think they're both the same age. It was probably J- James' son used to date his daughter or something like that. Okay, but there was, was some, some connection. Kind of, some connection. There was some. There was some connection there between James Spencer and John Williams, and so we got to go to the Hollywood Bowl, which is a uh, amphitheater, and John Williams has a weekend every year at the Hollywood Bowl and plays all the all the big movie scores, E.T., Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and everything. And he got us backstage to meet John Williams. Oh, so did you um, go with with Jim? Yes. So oh. Jim, me, Jim, and Matthew. And uh, I think the editor, I forget the editor's name, but the four of us went to see the concert and then we got to go backstage and truly, you know, he said, oh, don't meet your heroes. Truly one of the best experiences I had in Los Angeles was meeting John Williams, shaking his hand, talking for, to him about For those that scores. don't know, he's, think of a movie, you think of an iconic movie and John Williams scored it. E.T., uh, Star Wars, um, like everything. Indiana no. Jones, yeah. Jurassic Park, uh, Schindler's List, uh, 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 it, uh, um, Jaws, Jaws, probably the most iconic yeah. film score in history. I'm talking to this man who inspired me to become a film composer. So that was probably the greatest, you know, the biggest, biggest person personally that I've met. But um, the biggest movie star I met was probably Charlize Theron at um, Seth MacFarlane's uh, house. Um, I used to work for Family Guy, and so, you know, working with Seth, I was like, well, I was like best friends with him. I was like, I'm not best friends with him, but we know each other, and we're chatting and stuff like that. But he'd have these huge parties at his, at his house, Christmas parties. His birthday is in uh, late October. He had these huge parties and everything, but he was also friends with Charlize Theron, and they would have these charity events at his house for her charity, which is uh, giving money for children in uh, – uh, Africa. And so uh, they're doing the whole charity event, auctioning this stuff off. And then I was like, man, I want to meet her. I want to get a picture with her and everything. And I was determined to do that. And so we're doing the whole show and everything. And we're, you know, people are auctioning all this stuff off. And they made like $2 million wow. for her charity. Unbelievable. Just auctioning all this stuff off. And uh, and I finally got up the courage to go up to her and say, hey, you know, I'm a big fan of you. You mind if I get a picture with you? And I finally got a, you know, got a picture with oh, her. So she's awesome. probably... She's probably the biggest movie star I got. I got to meet and got to chat, and we were chatting with you know. We we're very appreciative of her and, and doing the charity and everything. But yeah, her and John Williams are probably, probably two two big ones. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always you know because I'm from here. There, there's a certain amount of uh, me being jaded to all of that. Like the only person that I've ever met that I was sort of starstruck over was Mr. T. Uh, yeah. I sort of have a little thing for Mr. T, so I, I did meet him once. His hands were just as soft as I'd imagined. and uh, Of course. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I got sidetracked for a second. Uh, what was I talking about? Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. T, shaking hands with Mr. Uh, T. His, his hands were so soft. Uh, so, celebrities. Um, 
So, uh, but no, the the only person I was ever starstruck over was Mr. T. But everyone else is, it's just like, eh. So I'm always curious on what the perspectives are of people, you know, what the what the what the perceptions and misconceptions are of people that come here from other exactly, places. exactly. And 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 you know, yes, I worked with Seth for for many years on on Family Guy and helping him out with his parties because we'd have a, uh, a he'd have a full orchestra playing music at his parties and he would get up there as you do i mean as you of course you do yeah who does of course every everyone does have a 70 piece orchestra in your backyard yeah you get up there and grab the microphone start singing frank sinatra songs i've actually everyone in the other room waiting to do the outro music for this podcast (laughs) so you just let me know you i didn't I mean, I, I, they're just doing 80s TV theme songs because you didn't really give me any music <laughs> to play. So we're, they're going to start with A-Team. and then well, gonna... I'm dying, well, I'm dying to hear Charles in Charge. I'm yeah, dying to hear it. They're going to yeah. do some Charles in Charge. It's like the yeah. fourth song in. Um, you know, yeah, it's, so it's pretty cool. So you just let me know when this show's over, and then I'll <laughs> cue them, and then they start playing. It's, it's really, I sat through the dress rehearsal. It was really, it was really moving. I, I can't, I can't wait. I'm yeah. so looking forward to it. <laughs> I have to say, the Magnum PI part, I brought tears to my eyes. It did. <laughs> so it really did. It was really, uh, evocative, if that's a word that I can use for an orchestra playing the magnum Emotion- PI emotionally song. moving emotionally moving evocative all those words yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it was really i was uh yeah so what i'm saying is you just let me know and then okay and i'll give you it. a cue i'll give you a cue <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, i'll cue you right right we're going to start singing <laughs> <laughs> but one one more thing i want to say about meeting famous people was um and, and and this goes along with Family Guy. I was just a huge fan of the show, and, and it's just an animated show. But meeting Seth MacFarlane for the first time, his regular speaking voice is Brian the dog on the show. And so watching a per- listening to a person and looking at a person with that voice was a trip. It was like, wait, a, what, 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 what's going on here? That voice <laughs> should not be coming out of a person. It should be coming That's out of funny. an animated dog on a thing. So that that was a little, uh, I don't know. Weird, weird experience to meet him for the first time because you, you see that voice yeah. coming out of a person rather now, than the TV and an animated dog. Now we've never talked about this, but did you meet any of the other people from that from the show? Yeah, I met uh, Alex Bornstein. Oh, unbelievably funny! Holy crap! I can't believe how funny she is in person. And it's the same thing as Seth. Just, just, and and you and 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 all these other people. It's so great at improv. Just off the cuff, so damn funny. Um, Seth used to do these uh, shows at Vibrato's, which is a very nice gourmet restaurant, um, and it's Herb Alpert's restaurant in Beverly Hills. But they have ja- they have jazz, and so they we had a big band playing there. It's all Frank Sinatra songs, and Seth comes there and sings and puts on a great show. But Alex opened up for him. Alex Bornstein or opened up for him one night and did like 10, 15 minutes of stand up. Unbelievably funny, just. Everybody just dying laughing, just killed it. So great. And I was chatting with her after the show and everything. But I had met her before, you know, doing the, doing the show. She had been around some of the recording sessions. Um, I met Mila Kunis once. She came she came by one time during one of the recording sessions. Just kind of it was just kind of like, hey, hello, how you doing? I didn't want to, you know, bother too much. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Seth and Alex and and, and Mila. The, I met those three. And Seth Green was at one of the parties. You know, he does uh, he does the voice of Chris on on Family Guy. I didn't I didn't I just saw him there. I didn't talk to him. But uh, yeah, you're, you're around it. You meet the people, and that, and that's that's what happens. So. I had a, a uh, I was on a show with Alex, which I think you know. 
Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, I, just, I, yeah. Come on. I, yeah. I played. I played her husband on the show, and uh, but we had a makeout scene on the show, and um, it was actually really funny because earlier that day, the show was it was called Getting On. It was on HBO, and yeah. uh, we had the scene where we had to make out, and it was like literally the first thing that we shot in I think the new season. It was like our first scene together, where we're going out at hot and heavy in a locker room. And so earlier that day, I see her and she's um, uh, uh, she, she's outside. And and as I'm walking by, she goes, oh, hey, I um, I, I got a, a, some mints so we can have some mints before our makeout scene. I go, oh, that's great. <laughs> and my my canker is almost gone. <laughs> and uh, I don't think she appreciated that a whole lot. <laughs> and like, finally, I went. I'm joking about the canker. I don't. I don't. I don't have. I don't. Have oh canker. come on! She didn't pick up on that. Okay. I, I, don't, uh. I don't know, but it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so at first she's like, um, yeah. So, but okay. yeah. All right. <laughs> so no, I got to work with her uh, three summers in a row. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh man, she's so awesome. Yeah, love love her. Love her. Yeah. Oh man. Um, Trying to think of other movie stars I met just inadvertently. Well, I, I know it's for nothing me. Nothing really. Nothing I, really. That and was it's it. It's not so much the people. I'm just so curious on what the expectations are versus the reality. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like everybody just... that I know, when they go to to Hollywood for the first time, the reaction is, "This is Hollywood." Yeah. Oh man, you drive around in Hollywood, man. It's really kind of a dump. You're yeah. like this. <laughs> And it and is way better than it used to be, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty years ago, it was a shit pile, and yeah. um, uh, but yeah, it's way better than it used to be. But yeah, they're like this. This is this is what everything is about. I'm like, yeah, welcome, welcome to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood, uh, Rand, Randy uh, Randy Jackson on uh, American Idol. Like, yes, this is Hollywood. Get used to it. It's not as great as you think it is. You know. Uh, but I, I, I love living here. I, I don't want to move back to Missouri uh, ever. Uh, I will visit everyone, all my relatives and family and friends and everything. But I, I think I'm staying here for life because I, I do love living in Los Angeles. Yeah. You guys have that thing on the East Coast that I've uh, I've heard about. It's um, hold on a second. It's got a name. What the hell's it called? Uh, 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 winter. <laughs> yes, right? we do have winter. We do yeah, have winter. I've I've so heard about that. <laughs> Yes, it, it's a it's a strange thing. The temperature dips down a little bit colder. Uh, you have to wear a little few more clothes than a t shirt and shorts. Being here in oh, L.A., wow, which you can, sounds, which sounds, which sounds you can like wear, hellhole. Yes, <laughs> which you can wear t shirts and shorts year round here in L.A. But yes, it does get colder. You, there, there's this weird substance that falls from the heavens. It's called snow. It's like frozen crystallized water of some sort. Um, you can you can ski on it. You can sled on it. It's well, it's no, amazing I've, I've been stuff. Skiing. Skiing is that thing that you do that you go to and then later that day or the next day you come back. You come back and then you can go surf surfing in, yes. in your in your swimsuit. Yes, I my, yes, I'm aware of that as well. My brother in law actually did that. He he's like, I'm gonna go skiing and snow, snow skiing and surfing in one day just to say I've done it. Which you can do in California. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But yeah, but winter does exist in the Midwest. It's quite cold and miserable and, and your car cannot drive through it. You have to shovel it off your driveway so you can get your car out of the driveway. And, and it's, it's terrible, awful and miserable. I do not miss snow. I do not miss shoveling why, snow. Why I, don't, I don't miss driving there? through snow. It's <laughs> awful. It's terrible. It's, it's, I, I don't miss it one bit. 
Not that um, we need yes. more people here because the traffic's bad enough. And, and it's not like the winters here are a breeze. Sometimes it dips into the 50s. It's terrible. It's terrible down in the 50s. I, I, I have to put on like a light windbreaker to, yeah. to keep warm. Yeah. You know, it's awful. I can't stand and it. And if you like, forget, if you leave in the morning without that light windbreaker, you're going to be slightly cold. Come slightly chilled. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like it's, you know, it's all perfect living here. You could yeah. get the chills. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and one more aspect to L.A. that Missourians do not realize is the earthquakes. And the first earthquake I was in. Oh, um, yeah. Or, ex- or first earthquake I experienced, I was like, okay, this is an earthquake. It happened late in the evening one time. And I was like, oh, oh okay, that's an earthquake. It just shook for 15, 20 seconds, whatever it was, a 3.2 4.2 whatever it was uh and that's that's another thing you got to get used to live in los angeles you get I earthquakes every once in a while when i was a teenager there was this woman that lived across the street from me and she was a transplant here from somewhere else and she was so worried about earthquakes she and she's like uh so what are they like and i'm like well just shit shakes and then you stop for a second you wait till it ends and then you go back to doing what you're doing and um uh and then one day we had a, a, not a big earthquake, a, you know, a four point, you know, a three point eight or four or something like that. And you could hear her yelling from across the street and she ran outside and she was she was just traumatized. I'm like, that was it. We're done. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not it's it's it's, it's something you got to experience and realize what's happening. But I t- and the shaking doesn't bother me as much as the noise. Like yes. a lot of t- a lot of times they're at night, and I got you know my apartment has um, just one window with a metal frame, and that window and the glass will shake and rattle and make an incredibly loud noise when an earthquake happens, and that disturbs me more than the actual shaking is the sound. Yeah. Of, of, of what's See, going on. I, I was actually here for the big ninety four quake. I was going to so, ask you about the. Northridge. Yeah, Northridge. so I, I not only was I here, I lived a mile from the epicenter. Whoa. And, yeah, and so um, it was, and and part of that still is with me because anytime I'm I'm, if there's a rumbling and it could be a truck going down the street, I stop for a second. Okay, as a truck, you know, I stop for a second because you you just don't know when you, there's this deep specifics sound of a deep rumbling that once it starts uh th- that it it could be an earthquake you know and yeah so yeah yeah so the other thing about earthquakes that i find so um i don't want to say i love about earthquakes but i was you know i was talking to this guy and he was from kansas and he's like i don't know how you guys live with those earthquakes out there i'm like you live with tornadoes every year i have to live with a big earthquake every two decades Right. Yeah. Come on. Natural disasters, man. It's it's I, it's it's part of living where you live. You got to deal with it. Yeah. You know, but it's like I I wouldn't I would hate the idea that a tornado at any point at certain points of the year could just start and I could oh. be in its path. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember in St. Louis and Springfield, Missouri, those sirens going off. You hear those sirens saying, hey, there's high winds coming. There's a tornado 
10 miles away, 20 miles away. We don't know where it's heading. Man, yeah. it's, it's scary. It's scary stuff. It, it, I, I will, I will take earthquakes over tornadoes and nasty winter weather, uh, any, any day, any day of the week and the heavy traffic. I will, I will trade those absolutely any day of the week. You got to put up with, uh, with winter every winter, every winter. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and ruthless. And also, uh, the humidity springtime and well into summer, heavy humidity where it's maybe it's 80 degrees but it feels like it's 110 because it's, it's such high humidity it's in like my Missouri. closet right now <laughs> I, really, I know man we got I we got to wrap this up here. i'm yeah we got to yeah. wrap this up i'm dying too yeah yeah <laughs> all right um so glad to have you on the show uh, curtis this was such a great show I, I can't wait to put this on the air and and get people listening to this so glad to have you guest host thank you for being here Everybody, go out there and retweet Curtis's tweet about the Scream movie. We're trying to get him on the new movie, and we're trying to help him out with this. It's the whole point of this episode to try and get him out there. Help us out with that. Um, if you'd like to contact us, we got our email for this web, uh, this podcast in the in the show notes. Please reach out to us. But again, Curtis, so great to have you on. Uh, Brian, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. And uh, if, if your listeners could retweet, that'd be awesome. But even if they can't, uh, I, I just, I, I'm so glad I did this. And thank you for, uh, for thinking of me. Oh, man. So great. This is such a blast, man. So great to have you. I'll talk to you soon, man. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Okay, bye.